Good morning. I was also told that Caleb was not going to be here, so this is for you, so you're welcome to come up here. And it's all done, but all you have to do is read it. A teacher asked her class of fifth graders to write about their personal heroes. One little girl brought her essay home and showed it to her parents. Her father was flattered to discover that his daughter had chosen him. Why did you pick me? He asked proudly. Because I couldn't spell Leonardo DiCaprio, the little girl replied. (laughs) How many of us make choices in life not because they're our first picks, but because we are afraid to pick what we really want, or we don't know how to enact our picks. One of the top business gurus in the United States, Tom Peters, argues that the missing pick, or what he calls the missing factor in corporate America, is trust. In a world where relationships really are all there is, says Peters, Our inability to trust each other is the Achilles heel in our current national prosperity and economic boom. The following letter was sent to Dear Abby. It said, I am a 23-year-old liberated woman who has been on the pill for two years. It's getting pretty expensive, and I think my boyfriend should share half the cost. But I don't know him well enough to discuss money with him. Evidence of our mistrust of one another is everywhere. Let me ask you a question. I'm not going to show for a show of hands because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But how many of you trust the news? I think if I did show for a show of hands, it'd only be two or three hands going up. We don't trust the news. Whether it be in the political arena, or whether it's about COVID-19, and whether the vaccine is effective or not, or the effectiveness of masks, the list goes on and on forever. And it is clear in our society today, there is a lot of mistrust. If we don't trust the general population to be good citizens... If we can't trust mothers and fathers to be caring, loving, or even sensible parents, if we can't trust churches to tell us the truth about Jesus without filling them with our doctrine or what we think about the Bible, how are we going to change the path that we are on? When you were a kid, one of the greatest myths you believed about adulthood is that grown-ups get to do whatever they want. In what is still Disney's biggest hit to date, The Lion King, that is the whole belief behind young Simba's rosy-eyed vision of the future in his song, I just can't wait to be king. No one is saying, do this. No one is saying, be there. No one is saying, see here, it's free to do it all my own way. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. 
But it's never quite that simple, is it? The truth is that adulthood is filled with deadlines, mortgage bills, tax forms, kids' extracurricular activities, and more work than hours in the day. But it is also true that for most of us, adulthood is the most autonomous time in our lives. No one can tell us when we must go to bed, or eat our broccoli, or turn off the TV. We have more freedom of movement and more freedom of choice than we really like to admit. One of the greatest fears we face as we grow older is how will we deal with the shrinking number of freedoms when physical frailties or fiscal difficulties make us once again dependent on others for our daily support. It reminds me of the spinster of 78 who died without marrying. She had stipulated in her instructions to her lawyer that there was to be no men pallbearers at her funeral, only women. Well, that was a strange request since basically most pallbearers at funerals are men. But she explained, those rascals wouldn't take me out while I was alive and they're not going to take me out after I'm dead. (laughs) Old age. When your friends compliment your new alligator shoes and you're barefoot. Or old age when your knees buckle, but your belt won't. Old age when getting a little action means you don't have to take a laxative today. Or old age when an all-nighter means not having to get up and go to the bathroom. The text from Jeremiah for this morning's lesson graphically reminds us that no matter how much distrust there is in in this world, no matter how independent we think we are, no matter how on top of things we style ourselves, no matter how in control we believe ourselves to be, the fact is that we're still only clay. We are being worked and molded, shaped, and stretched by hands outside our existence. (coughs) Excuse me. Autonomy and independence, those are illusions that we must see through if we are to take on the creative life that God's artistic hand is seeking to form in us. Jeremiah's observation is that Being like clay in the master potter's hand doesn't mean we are likened likened to some shapeless lump, wholly at the mercy of the artist's hand. I want you to notice in the passage that was read this morning, verse 4, if you would, please. Notice what the writer says. (coughs) Excuse me. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. I don't want you to miss this point that he's making over here. When we talk about the body of Christ, we talk about something that is very unique. 
We talk about being of the same mind. We talk of being of one heart. We talk of being of one body. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We talk about being one church. And what does that mean to us? I think for years it means to us that we are all the same, and yet we're not. We are one body. We are of one mind. But the body is whose? It's Christ's. It's His body. Whose mind is it? It's Christ's. It's not ours. We try and make Christians and we want to make them into junior us's. They were, we want, to, want them to make them into little me's. We want everybody to think the same way. We want everybody to act the same way. We want everybody to dress the same way. We want everybody to be just like us. And if they're like us, then they can be a Christian. If they're not like us, then we're not interested. And that's not what the body is all about. We are individuals. We are different. The clay is marred. Some, have a, some pieces have flex in it. Some is flawed. And the potter is the one who makes it into the shape that he desires because it is God working in us. It is God who forms us into what we need to be, what we should be, what we need to be in his kingdom, what we need to be in his church. It's not our decision to make. It is God who does it. And if you don't like that point, then look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talks about the diversity of the gifts. <coughs> look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 18. For in fact, the body is not one member, but what? But many. Listen to what he says. The body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God, listen to this, but now God has set the members, each of them, in the body, how? Just as he pleased. You like public speaking? Some people do, some people don't. You don't like to give the greeting. Some people don't mind it at all. But that's why we're different, folks. That's why God is able to shape us and make us into what he needs in his church. And if I'm a preacher, if I'm somebody who likes to do something, I shouldn't look at somebody else who doesn't like to do it and say, you're lesser of a Christian because you don't like to do what I do. We try to get everybody to go out into the world and preach the gospel and make missionaries out of them. Folks, not everybody is cut out to be a missionary. Not everybody is cut out to be a public speaker. Not everybody is cut out to be a speaker. Not everybody is cut out to be a teacher. But I know folks who are potlucks and clean dishes like nobody's business. Are they less important than the people who fix the food? No. 
We all have different talents. We all have different abilities. We are clay in the potter's hands, and the potter fashions us in what we need to be. It is God's work in us, not ours. And as a body, we need to quit trying to make people to look just like us so we can feel more comfortable. Because we are not the same. We need to have a little faith in God that whether we are gritty or smooth, whether we are malleable or stiff, if we are flecked with impurities or deeply flawed throughout, God's plan for us is still the same. The question is this. Are we willing to trust God with all of our flecks and flaws, all of our foibles and failures? Are we willing to trust that the master can make something of beauty out of the beast? There was a wise monk living in a remote place with an earnest student who made a pilgrimage to go and visit him. He traveled a long distance to see his teacher, And the student arrives seeking wisdom. A serious student, his head filled with questions. He becomes annoyed and becomes more and more frustrated because the monk won't answer any of his questions. None of them. So finally the monk says to him, pour me a cup of tea. So the student grabs the teapot and begins to pour. The monk says, I'll tell you when to stop. The student pours and pours and pours. And the cup starts overflowing and it's dripping down on everything and it just keeps on going. And the exasperated student says, can't you see that the cup is full? It can't hold anymore. The monk looks at the young man and he says, so it is with you. Your mind is too full of too many things. Only when you are empty will there be room for more knowledge to come in. We come to God so full of so many things. We come to God from our busyness. The problem is that God can't work with us in that condition. We need to empty ourselves and trust Him to fill us with what is best. And it can only happen if we allow the potter to do one, the one most single important thing in creating a work of beauty. And that is centering ourselves on the wheel. If the clay is not centered, I don't know if you've ever seen a potter's wheel and how it works and things like that, but you get that clay and you don't put it in the middle of the wheel when you're, when you're pushing the lever, you know, to make the wheel turn? You know what happens to that clay? It goes all over the place. You'll come out wearing more clay than you'll, than you'll have. You know, you may start out wanting to make a big pot like this, and you end up with a little cup like that because the clay's all over the place. But that's what happens if it's not centered on the wheel. Trusting God is to allow us to be centered in the will of God. Allowing him to take the raw material we give him and slowly fashion it into a vessel both usefulness of, for usefulness and beauty. Folks, can we have faith 
that God is willing and able to do just that in our lives. John Hyatt expresses it well. Most of you may not know who John Hyatt is. He was a, uh, I call him a folk singer, but some people might call him a country singer. And it's, it, once again, it's for people who are, you know, older than maybe 60, I should say, or whatever. But he wrote a song, hit song called Have a Little Faith in Me. And Jewel, maybe some of you know who Jewel is, Jewel made it popular in the movie Phenomenon. Here's how it goes. Understand this is about a guy and a girl, but it, it applies to God, and you'll see what I mean by that. When the road gets dark and you can no longer see, just let my love throw a spark and have a little faith in me. When the tears you cry are all you can believe, just give these loving arms a try, baby. And have a little faith in me. And when your secret heart cannot speak so easily, come here, darling, from a whisper start to have a little faith in me. And when your back's against the wall, just turn around and you, you will see, I will catch you. I will catch your fall, baby. Just have a little faith in me. Well, I've been loving you for such a long time, girl, expecting nothing in return. Just for you to have a little faith in me. You see, time, time is our friend. Because for us, there is no end. And all you got to do is have a little faith in me. If we would only listen to God, who says to us, have a little faith in me, we would be able to live our lives so much better and so much more full. A few years ago, a nationwide poll asked, what word or phrase would you most like to hear uttered to you sincerely, okay? What word or phrase would you like most to be uttered to you sincerely? Can you guess the first thing that people wanted to hear? Do what? You're right, okay. I love, somebody said it back here. I love you. That was number one. I love you. Know what number two was? Do what? I'm sorry. You're forgiven. Close enough. Give you that. Get a point there. What was number three? Anybody know? Supper is ready. (laughs) That was number three. Supper is ready. Well, think about that for just a moment, folks. Hasn't God said those words to us over and over again? I love you, God's unconditional love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You are forgiven. God's unmerited grace. No matter how bad we've messed things up, no matter how far we've fallen, no matter how sinful we were, no matter 
what kind of things we've done. God gave his son to die on the cross to cleanse you from all your sins so that you can stand before God and say, I am clean. Not because of anything I've done, but because of Jesus Christ's blood that cleansed me from my sins. I am forgiven. Supper is ready. You might wonder, when did God say invite us to supper? But that's his unsurpassed invitation. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, or what? Many mansions. If it were not so, would I have not told you? I go and prepare a place for you, and if I come again, and if, I go, and if I come again, I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Supper is ready. All we have to do is have a little faith in him. He is the potter. I am the clay. And God will make me into what he sees best. It may not be what you think is best. It may not be what you think is the greatest thing in the world, but in God's eyes, I am perfect because he made me that way and I can live with that. Have a little faith in me. That's what God is asking us to do. That's what we're asking you today to do as well. Have a little faith in God. With all the stuff that is going on in our world today, we we were at work the other day, and guys are talking about something about political stuff. They said, what do you think about it? I said, I don't care. Said, what do you mean you don't care? I said, I really don't care. I've got a job. I'm working to support my family. I'm good. Well, what about this? It doesn't affect me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. The whole reason for that is, is because the only thing that does matter is how I live my life before God. How God takes care of me. How God sees to my needs. There's so many times in Sid and I will look back and go, see how God's hand works in you? I didn't understand it at the time. At the time it was like, oh, what are we going to do? And God keeps showing up and God keeps saying, here you go. God keeps saying, I will take care of you. That's all I need. That's all we need. That's all God wants from us. It's to show before him and say, God, I am in your hands. Make of me what you will. The lesson is yours. Let's stand together and sing.